Welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. This is a special episode because I got my good friend Michael Cohen on the show. How you doing today, brother? How's your family doing, even more importantly? You know, we're trying to hold up. Um, every day is a little bit of a challenge, but every day we try to move an inch forward to the mile. You know, there you go. That's all you can do. We usually start, as you know, each one of my episodes by having um, our guests introduce themselves. But well, people know you and you're a friend to the show. So just talk about what you've been up to and what's your old client Donald Trump been up to since the last time we spoke. <laughs> All right, let me start with the second half of that. As everybody knows, he's allegedly making some type of a presidential announcement uh, sometime today. And they say that it's scheduled for 9 p.m. at night. Um, why he would do it at 9 p.m., I am not 100 percent certain why he's making the announcement Again, I'm not certain, especially after the midterm shellacking that the you know Republican Party received, especially the individuals that he endorsed and you know was publicly endorsing. Uh, I really do suspect that he's going to announce something as innocuous as a presidential uh, exploratory committee or something like that. Again, it doesn't make sense uh, for him to do it, especially as it'll interfere in the um, grift, the great grift of Donald uh, as it relates to that pack that he has, because if he opens up an exploratory committee or a presidential committee, he cannot be involved. Uh, FCC rules do not allow you to be involved, obviously in a super PAC, uh, as well as a presidential candidate um, committee. So why he would put that to an end and stop the grifting off of his, you know, unwitting I have no idea. Yeah. And what, what what else has Michael Cohen been doing? Maybe not Donald Trump, but what else have you been doing? Well, I finished uh, my second book, which came out uh, about two weeks ago. It's actually now number eight on the New York Times bestsellers list. It's called Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the United States Department of Justice Against His Critics. Um, the book is a Real deep dive, and it's a forensic exploration of the most corrupt prosecution in the history of the United States. And um, I think the book is really a floor, a floor plan or a map in order to guide the reader to understanding what happens when you have an autocratic president who legitimately doesn't want to be a president, but wants to be a monarch, a dictator, or a supreme leader, and the methods to which that he will use in order to achieve his goal, which of course is to become uh, you know, the, the big man and silence any critics against him. I mean, it's very Putin-esque. It's very Kim Jong-un-ish. Let me ask you this. Since we're talking about the announcement, why is Trump running for president again? Does he think he can win or is he doing it to stay out of jail? Why, why risk embarrassment twice? Yeah. So, Bakari, look, you're a lawyer as well. Uh, I've actually spoken to a dozen friends of mine who are criminal attorneys here in New York, and none of us can understand why people keep referring to a presidential candidacy as a get out of jail free card or some rule that would create a stay in all of the litigation that he currently has pending against him, it doesn't exist. So the fact that he will make an announcement has no bearing upon, for example, Tish James's case 
against his organization, the Trump organization. A stay or a, um, a presidential announcement would have absolutely no stay power against what's going on now at our district attorney, which is the criminal um, part of that case by Alvin Bray. It would have nothing uh, to do with the Georgia case by Fannie Willis. It would have nothing to, it would not stay any of the litigation against him. It wouldn't stay the E. Jean Carroll case against him. Plus there's two years before which the election would take place. Most, if not all of these cases should be over by then. Maybe they'll be on appeal, but they certainly should be over by then. For the layman, what exactly happened with all those classified documents and the raid on mar Largo? Uh, why did the FBI do what they did? And why isn't Trump in jail yet for something you or I definitely would have gone to jail for already? No, no, not just you and I, Bakari. Anybody other than him. I mean, for God's sakes, a reality winner had one document. She spent five years in prison. I mean, this yeah. is absolutely abnormal. I don't have the answer to it. Um, it makes absolutely no sense to me why he hasn't already been indicted and charged on that. It's Then again, we could ask each other the same question. Why has he not been already indicted for things that are now in the post-investigatory stage over two, three years ago? Why is he not you know, indicted on obstruction of justice or witness tampering, going back to my testimony before the House Oversight Committee. Why has he not been indicted and charged in regard to tax evasion or misrepresentation to banks, money laundering? You know, uh, I mean, why? And the answer is, I don't know. All of these <laughs> matters are currently sitting before Merrick Garland. And look, you know, I say this on television, I say it tongue in cheek, but I absolutely mean it. If Merrick Garland has an issue in terms of pulling the trigger for whatever his reason may be, he doesn't want to personally seem you know, partisan or he doesn't have the cojones within which to do it, no problem. And I look into the camera as I would look into yours and say, President Biden, here's what you need to do. Ask Merrick Garland to step down. Appoint me as attorney general. And by tomorrow, I promise you, not only will he be indicted, I'll have his hands in handcuffs and and, you know, marched you know, right out of Mar-a-Lago with or without Secret Service. It doesn't matter. You know, the problem is and, you know, this is a former prosecutor. Prosecutors are more concerned about their conviction rates than they are about anything. And that's not the job of a prosecutor. Right. The job of a prosecutor right. is not to convict. It's to bring cases that are legitimate. And we already know that these cases are legitimate against the man and Mussolini. And the fact that we don't hold him accountable, that we allow him to believe that he is above the law, it only hurts America. It hurts not just the Democratic Party, right, but it hurts the Republican Party as well. It hurts our democracy. After last week's elections, how does... Uh the Republican base respond to a Trump 2024 candidacy? Are they oblivious to how badly Republicans performed last week and blindly loyal? Are there cracks in the base that can be exploited? What happens? Well, look, what, what do we already know? First of all, Ron DeSanctimonious is going to run. All right. Um, so is Mike Pompeo, who's already announced it. So will Liz Cheney. I mean, these are just three people that Mike have made Pence. it crystal clear. Mike, Mike Pence. Pence. 
Well, Pence actually said that, you know, he and his wife are preying on it and that they're considering it. Look, one of the problems with Mike Pence is he knows that uh, really has zero chance. I think, Bakari, you and I have a better chance. And I'm not, you know, I've never been a Republican, even though people think I have. Um, you know, I have probably a better chance of becoming the Republican nominee than Mike Pence. Yeah. Um, you know, he's wildly disliked by the party, uh, especially by the MAGA, you know, uh, people, because he didn't do what Donald Trump wanted, which is to overturn, you know, a free and fair election. And so he's considered a traitor. But people like Pompeo, you know, he's he's no you know slouch and he knows how to play dirty in the playground. I think Ron Santis is able to. I believe Ted Cruz will run also. So oh. will Marco Rubio. So will Tim a Scott. dozen other yeah, people. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. Yeah, the list goes on and on and on. But so handicap that 2024 Republican field for me. I mean, who wins that primary? I mean, from all the names that you just mentioned, I actually think if all of those people run and Donald Trump, Donald Trump wins that race with 20, 30 percent of the vote. Not so sure about that. First of all, I don't think he even has 20 percent of the Republican base, not to mention a lot of things change when you get into the poll booth. Right. You know, you start to think more about not the individual, but rather you start to think about who can do what. At least that's what we saw from the midterm elections. I don't believe that Donald will come out of this unscathed. I don't believe that his antics and his stupidity is going to push him over the, you know, the line again. Remember, Bakari, and I, I talked about this the other day on Ali Velshi and as well as on uh, Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. One of the things that we used to do is we used to create stories and promote them through the media um, that helped to elevate Trump and to get rid of his opponents, especially as they were becoming popular and increasing in the polls. And I'll use two people as an example. One of them, of course, was Ted Cruz, when we had the National Enquirer put on the front page, the photo of Ted Cruz's father with Lee Harvey Oswald under the caption, Ted Cruz's father killed JFK. I forgot that you was all a, did that. Um, and then, of course, we also did the same thing to Marco Rubio when we had on the front page Marco Rubio naked in a swimming pool with about 25 other guys um, during a cocaine binge party. You know, these are things that are part of the Trump playbook. But here's the problem. First and foremost, that playbook doesn't exist anymore. He had it through the National Enquirer and they were able to promote it elsewhere. But the National Enquirer is kind of, a, it's dead as it relates to Trump right now. But do you know who else is dead? Your Post, Fox News, they're not going to continue to promote Trump's nonsense anymore. In fact, as you see, the Murdochs have taken a completely different angle. I mean, it's a very different angle now. Um, they're not only not promoting Trump's lies, but in fact, they're actually doing Trump what they helped Trump do to others in the past, myself included. Answer me this question. Explain the, the one of the questions Riddle, I've always- You sound like the Riddler now. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Explain the Trump-Pence dynamic and how will that be exploited or will he even pay him attention in a primary? I mean, you've seen those two interact, campaign trail. 
for a moment while president of the United States. What is that dynamic like and what happens to this one of on the campaign trail? Okay, so he or right. So he knows that Mike Pence is weak uh, and he will attempt to exploit that. Uh, he will continue to do his fifth grade antics and say things about him um, that nobody else would say. In essence, the way he looks at Mike Pence is kind of the way he looked at Carly Fiorina uh, during the 2016 you know, race. He doesn't take Mike Pence serious, and he thinks that he'll be able to denigrate him in a way that Mike Pence will not be able to respond. Because, you know, Mike Pence has this thing about him, too. He wants to portray himself as a very religious man. And maybe he is, um, you know, very religious, but that doesn't play well, not even with the religious base. They want someone who's going to fight for them. That's how Trump was able to elevate himself. He was able to say things that no politician in the history of this country would ever say or do. Let me ask you this. Game out a scenario for me where candidate Trump is indicted in the middle of a primary. How do you think that affects the race? Will it galvanize Republican voters? Well, I mean, he ain't going to drop out. So what happens? First of all, I think we're what, at least a year and six months away from the first primary. Uh, will he be indicted during the primary? I don't think so. I think he will be indicted well before that. So I don't think that this even is applicable. You know, again, for some unknown reason, no one wants to hold him accountable for the crimes that we all know that he did. It's not as if I turn around and I say, well, he robbed the first national bank, right? Uh, and so on. And you say these, oh, Jesus, here we go again. No, no, no. We're talking about things that, we, that we're not making up. It has been shoved into our faces. I have been talking about this for over three years now. He has been under the same investigation for five. So it's not as if we're sitting there and we're saying something that people don't know about. We have the documentary evidence. We have the we have the testimony of other people as well that implicate him in these crimes and why nobody has held him accountable. I don't know. We've seen the documents. We've heard his own voice, for example, in the Georgia case. But yet nobody has pulled the trigger other than Tish James. And to give Cy Vance Jr., credit for opening up the investigation into the Trump organization. I, I'm disappointed in Alvin Bragg. I think he's a terrible DA, but that's that's my words, not yours. We'll see what No, happens. no, no, no. Hold on one second. Hold on. It is my words because no one's more critical of him than I. I spent a hundred hours with the district attorney's office prior to Alvin Bragg's entrance. I spent it with Mark Pomerantz. I spent it with Carrie Dunn. I spent it with a dozen different members uh, as well as there was always somebody there from the attorney general's office because they were working in tandem. And when you have two lawyers like Carrie Dunn, who's general counsel at the time to the district attorney's office and a seasoned veteran, and I can't say this enough, Mark Pomerantz is a seasoned Paul Weiss veteran of RICO telling Alvin Bragg, hey, we got the guy. We have the documents. We have the testimony. We have everything. And for Alvin Bragg to, after six weeks of being in office, to let that case go, still waiting for an answer. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. A couple more questions for you, because this is, you know, this is a special episode around his pump fake or his announcement or whatever he does tonight and your new book that's out. Uh, is there if Donald Trump is the nominee, where do Republicans go? I mean, do they stay with them? Do they go to Biden? Do they just stay at home? So they are very much divided at this time. You know, there are individuals, the Lauren Boberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Josh Hawley's, the Matt Gates's, the, you know, Jim Jordan's of the world. They will coalesce around Trump. Why they do it after everything that they've seen, I still don't know. I think they care more about their own power than they care about our democracy. But there is such a divide, not just between Republicans and Democrats, but between MAGA Republicans and Republicans who want their party back. When you have that idiot scion of Donald's, Eric uh, and Laura Trump, who are on television talking about how the Republican Party doesn't exist anymore, it is now the party of Trump. That's a really obnoxious <laughs> thing. That's a really obnoxious thing for, you know, for somebody to say. First of all, it's not true. Second mm -hmm. of all, it is not the Trump party. They want it to sound that way. For whatever reason, you know, I believe people like a Mike Pompeo, people like Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, um, you're going to see a dozen um, Mitt Romney come out and very, very strongly criticizing Donald and his previous administration for accomplishing nothing. You know, look, Bakari, you're you're a politico. Right. I mean, you really are involved in this on a day to day basis. You study it. You know it. Can you tell me what Donald Trump accomplished during his four years? And I'm not talking about tax credits for the rich. I'm not talking about oh, that. I was going to say what tax did he... for the rich and judges. Right. Uh, and right. Supreme Court judges. But I'm talking about. That benefits America. Right. All the people, because every president says the same thing during the inauguration, this divisiveness that exists cannot take place. The divisiveness between our, you know, our, our members of Congress um, can no longer exist. We cannot be the great nation. And then they go on and on and on. And Trump said something not as eloquent or intelligent, but he did say he wanted to be president for all America, um, even those people that hate him. Well, what did he accomplish? Yeah, he I mean, Barack it. Obama had the Affordable Care Act. Let's give him yeah. that. We see what Joe Biden is doing. I mean, there's, there's just many things that he's doing to try to help everybody in America. What did, what did Donald do? I mean, yeah. did he build his wall, which was his big, you know, chant, you know, and Mexico was going to pay for it? No. Did he, did he um, help to the issue of COVID? No, he's a COVID denier. Is he working on climate um, on you know climate change? He doesn't believe in climate change. He doesn't believe in science. So what the heck did he do in four years other than cause a lot of chaos? Well, that brings me to my next question, um, which is one of my final questions for you. But is Biden the only Democrat who can beat Trump? No, no, I believe any Democrat. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I believe uh, you know any Republican can beat Trump. I really do. I don't believe. I mean, that. what about the Democrats, though? What oh, Democrats? I'm so sorry. You meant Biden. I was thinking for some reason, uh, Mike Pence or um, no, apologies. If he wins, if he wins and gets, makes it out the primary, is Biden the only one that can beat him? No, I believe I believe that if I ran. 
McDonald's, I could beat him. And I'm not saying this, again, I'm hyperbolic. I truly mean it. I would, nothing would make me happier than to be on a stage debating Donald. Because there is a way that you have to debate him. You know, I do this on my podcast all the time. Uh, like I had Mike Smirconish on it. And I was saying, uh, you know, Tim, Mike, you know, um, ask me a question and we'll have Donald to the right and I'll play it out for you and how I would answer, you know, that question in a way that makes Donald look as small of a man as he actually is. But I believe that there are a multitude of Democrats. Look at Gavin Newsom, for example. Look at someone like an Eric Swalwell. Look at Jamie Raskin, you know, as far as, you know, Democrats. We could also look at, I mean, there's a, there's a dozen, there, there are a dozen um, people that I believe could beat him and easily. But personally, I would really like to see, I'd like to see a woman run. For the <laughs> I mean, the men have messed up this country, you know, for I'm 275 years. Nothing would make me happier than you know, to see, I, though, I'll be honest with you, and I happen to like Kamala, uh, you know, I really do. I don't think that she could beat Trump. I don't think, I think she has the Hillary Clinton problem, to be honest with you. I, I just, for whatever the reason may be, she just doesn't trend with likability. And I don't yeah. know why. My last question, most important question, tell me where people can get revenge from. It's out now. Tell people where they can get it and how they can get it. You, like, it? you like the cover? I like you go. your handsome, your oh, handsome mug. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've gotten old as a result of this journey, but uh, actually, in fact, revenge is number eight on the New York Times bestsellers list. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your bookstore um, for the uh, pre-signed ones. There's a different website, which is revenge thebookcom You can order a limited edition signed book on that one. But other, other than that, it's everywhere. I think the book is extremely, again, important because the only way to understand Trump is you have to understand his playbook. You have to understand what he tried to do, not just with January 6th, which is the second part to create an autocracy. But the first part is to violate people's First Amendment rights to create state run media so that you control the First Amendment. And that's what they tried to do to me when I published my first book and they unconstitutionally remanded me back to prison. You know, that's the first part. And the fact that they failed and I was able to get out because Judge Hellerstein ruled so, that doesn't matter. Now they have a playbook. They know what they did wrong. So next time, what do you do? You go back, you fix the playbook. Think of it like a football game, right? If this play doesn't work, maybe we can tweak it a little bit to make it into a touchdown, you know, a touchdown type play. That's the danger, even with somebody like Ron DeSantis, who's very similar in nature to Donald Trump. I call him Donald 2.0. They now have the playbook, not just to violate people's First Amendment rights, but also the second part, which is to take control of the military. And if you can't do that, what do you do? Create your own, a paramilitary group, like those lunatics that stormed the Capitol wearing Trump 2020 flags or MAGA flags. That's the danger here. And that's what my book exposes. And it exposes not based on my words, but rather based on the words of FBI agents, former FBI prosecutors, um, you know, accountants, attorneys, you name it. You know, many people were involved in terms of um, the creation of this book through interviews. And um, it's an important read. It's and that's a what most really important. Read. You, you act. This isn't just something that you whipped out of your head. This 
this is a book that actually took time and actually interviews and everything else. It's a very comprehensive, well done book. Michael Cohen, my friend, thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. Let's keep this book on the New York Times bestsellers list for a little while longer. Thank you for speaking your truth always. Love you, brother. Give my best to your family. This same, this same. And I hope to see you when you're back here in New York. Uh, time to get together again. Be